The good times keep on rolling here on the Sports Cubicle. I'm Mike Mercado. Paul Shivari, as always, joining me. And this has been one of those great times in the Sports Cubicle where Christmas and all the other holidays are coming early because we keep getting these gifts that we don't deserve. Paulie, you played Santa Claus this time. What do you have for the amazing colleagues around the water cooler here at the Sports Cubicle? Well, our guest today is someone that has uh, represented a record eight NFL first overall picks, 64 first round picks. He's dealt with billions and billions of dollars of contracts and has raised over a billion dollars. That's billion with a B if for charity. Uh, we're talking today to sports agent Lee Steinberg. Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So you're credited as being the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire, famous for uh, Tom Cruise back in 1996. I wanted to know what was the, the correlation? And, and, and we should note that we saw in the background, it looks like a picture of you, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Tom Cruise. So it seems like a very legitimate claim to be the inspiration. So in 1993, a film director and writer, Cameron Crowe, called me up and asked if he could follow me around to gain atmosphere for a picture that would be based on a sports agent. So he came with me to the NFL draft in 1993, where I had Drew Bledsoe as the first pick. He came up to the press conference with uh, Bill Parcells in Boston. He came to the league meetings where I was showing off a free agent named Tim McDonald. He came with me to pro scouting day at USC. He came to a series of games, my Super Bowl party, and spent time in my office. And I told him stories, lots and lots of stories. And he went off and wrote a script. And then I was technical advisor. So my job was to make sure the willing suspension of disbelief that holds you in a motion picture, the dialogue's not phony, the look on the set's not phony, got preserved. And then he gave uh, me a young actor in Cuba Gooding Jr. to take with me to the Super Bowl in Phoenix. And he had to pretend he was a wide receiver for a whole week and my client. And so he hung out with Amani Toomer and uh, and Desmond Howard. Um, I actually had to show the quarterback in the film played by Jerry O'Connell how to throw a spiral because he had gone to NYU and they didn't have football there. So um, it's been 25 years. I mean, it was uh, until The Blind Side, the top grossing sports theme film. Um, and I've rarely gone to an airport or out to dinner where someone didn't run up and either ask me to say or say to me the four words that start with show me the. Yep. Yep. Money. Yep. <laughs> Let me ask you this, because like, it's it's one of these things, whenever we do the top list of sports movies, whatever, everybody wants to talk about uh, uh, North Dallas, Texas, or do you want to talk about uh, Remember the Titans? I always claim Jerry Maguire, and it's more about I love behind the scenes. I love that sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction. So with that in mind, are there any times when you were watching or living your real life we are like, I can't believe that this is actually happening. This moment with this said client or this said team owner, that this is actual reality that we're living in. Is there any moment that you look back and be like, I can't believe this is actual true to the bone stuff that happened that Hollywood cannot write in your career? So in 1975, I was a young lawyer 
And Steve Bartkowski, who uh, lived in my uh, dorm when I was a dorm counselor, uh, became the first pick overall in the draft. And so he asked me to represent him. There really wasn't organized sports agency then. So we fly back to Atlanta, and I've grown up in Los Angeles and went to school at Berkeley where we keep sports in perspective. So we arrive at the airport, and there are Klieg lights flashing in the sky like for a movie premiere. A huge crowd is pressed up against the police line. And the first thing we hear is we interrupt the Johnny Carson show, uh, late news, to bring you a special news bulletin. Steve Bartkowski and his attorney have just arrived at the Atlanta airport. We switch you live for an in-depth interview. Um, that was pretty unreal. And it showed me how communities venerated athletes and saw them as the movie stars and celebrities. Um, I, there was another time where Warren Moon and I had gone through years and years and years of, uh, lawyer and client, 23 years, and he asked me to present him at the Hall of Fame, and, um, so I gave the presenting speech, and we had been together for so long, and he became the first African-American quarterback to, in the modern era, to enter the Hall of Fame. That was pretty special, or, um. Steve Young is in Joe Montana's shadow for years and years, and he can't get recognized for his own achievement. So he throws six uh, passes, touchdown passes in the Super Bowl in Miami against the Chargers. And I run down off on the field and he says, the monkey's off my back, the monkey's off my back. So, yeah, there have been some moments. What do you think about the modern day athlete? I think the influence of people like you, athletes and the executives and other lawyers and just people with the common goal have really changed the way the modern, what we would consider the modern day for the kids that are watching and now how all athletes and businesses done. What are you, what are your thoughts, your feelings, kind of your emotions when you see athletes today, the guys that let's just say, for example, Luka Doncic to Joe Burrow, who, who knows what the limit is for these young men and women. And, and now we're seeing it in college sports for women, right? Like that it's endless now to see what the opportunities are. What are your thoughts about how it's grown and changed for the modern athlete, the modern agents, the modern firm in the world we're living in, in this sports age? Well, the first thing is how they receive information. So years ago, athletes used to read newspapers, they would watch uh, network television, and today everything comes over the internet. So it's all over the social platforms. So they grow up with, with um, probably attenuated attention span because it's multitasking with the uh, color and light and computer screens and and nil has completely revolutionized um the whole uh younger athlete scene because now you have athletes at uh, 12 or 13 being recognized pointed out and they're doing a website and they're creating content that can be monetized and they're branding themselves and so this is uh, uh, totally new. Um, the, the fact that collectives of alums at different colleges are now raising money that can be used in recruiting. So instead of uh, a player coming to school on scholarship, uh, 
uh, Michigan or or Alabama or or SC um, can tell a young player, come to our school and we'll guarantee you ten million dollars in endorsements. Um, that's a radical change, also. So, um, and the economics are 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 not close. If if Rip Van Winkle had uh, gone to sleep in 1975 and awoken in uh, 2023 and seen stadia with jumbo scoreboards and uh, and uh, naming rights and um, 40 million people playing fantasy football and the fact that you can go to the Washington Commanders Stadium and place a bet. Um, I mean, these are all things that wouldn't could never happen. Holly? So right now we're in the Major League Baseball offseason, and every offseason there seems to be the hyperbole of this is going to be the biggest free agent signing season that we've ever heard. But this year it doesn't feel like hyperbole because Shohei Otani is now a free agent. It's the first two-way player that baseball has seen in such a long time and might win his uh, uh, second MVP award in a couple of days here. Um, with his uh, potential offseason here, he's going to be courted by so many different teams and he's probably going to land one of the largest contracts in sports history. What are your thoughts about what he's going to do this offseason and what teams need to do to try – and entice him into signing with them? Well, first of all, we've really never seen anything like this. Babe Ruth played two positions, but to have a player dominate both as a pitcher and an everyday player is unprecedented. Now, had he not been hurt and injured his pitching arm in a way where he won't pitch next year, clearly this would be the breakthrough contract in history. And if Mike Trout has 426 million, it would be bigger. He's a little older than, than uh, Trout was when he signed his contract. So I think they'll figure out a way to, to have him at level A while he's playing everyday position and level B, a higher level of compensation when he's playing, um, when he's back to pitching again. But look, Nobody's ever had this type of appeal. A team can sell 15,000 extra tickets a game because he's such a phenomenon. He's handsome. He's learning English. He's uh, unblemished behaviorally. He's uh, and and people want to come and see him pitch. It reminds me when I was a kid, it was Sandy Koufax in Los Angeles that people came to see but you're going to get a guaranteed revenue flow with deals with Japan um, that the team would make with uh, 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 marketing and sponsorship um, and with extra attendance. So in addition to everything else, if it were simply that he dominates the two positions, it'd be enough to give him a record-breaking contract. Add in all the extras and revenue opportunities for a team and the fact that you're having competition. Um, so if all of a sudden the uh, uh, Dodgers and Padres and Giants and Yankees and Cubs are in it, among other things, those are the three biggest cities in America with the most capacity. It will be uh, an amazing bidding war. Now, he's been pretty clear he wants to win. And so 
I think you have to look for a team where they've got a viable chance to make it through the playoffs and to the World Series. Lee, it's interesting because we're here in Chicago, and obviously the rumors are all bubbling up about Shohei Otani. But one thing that you could count on Chicago sports fans is the disdain for the ownership and whether or not they open up their pockets. And I think it's interesting now that we have this unicorn right in Shohei Otani. But with all the specialization going on in youth sports and just the way these athletes are becoming the at their prime so early, and and all the nutrition and science, I think we're getting to a point now where Messi was this close, or I even think he did with, with Miami, enter Miami of getting ownership stake on the club. And we're seeing with, with Saudi Arabia and some of these other foreign countries that are trying to make big bids in their sports. In American sports, the NFL, Major League Baseball, the National Hockey League, any, any of the major four, whichever one you want to go with, do you think there's ever going to be that star athlete, the Mahomes to the next level, the Shohei Otani, even to the next level of that, that will get claimed of ownership in an American sports team. So one of the goals I have for second career with athletes is could they be owners? And Warwick Dunn, the former running back with Tampa Bay and Atlanta, owns a small piece of the uh, of the uh, of the Atlanta Falcons. And so and we did it with Jerron Cherry and the Jacksonville Jaguars and Ray Childress and the other team. So I think that is the next breakthrough. Um, and we already have athletes who are taking percentages and equity in a number of different businesses they do endorsements with. So, yes, I think that ultimately you could uh, get there, um, but the and have player as owner. But I think that at this level, they're probably focused on how much cash would come in the next 10 years. Lee Steinberg joins us here on the Sports Cubicle. It's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. Paulie, I want to throw it to you in just a second, too. But I want to also make a reminder, if you're watching us on YouTube at Sports from the Couch, the Sports Cubicle, there's an amazing background that our friend here has already shown us some of his pictures. And I want to see one more thing before we get him out of here. But Paulie, go ahead. And uh, what, what do you got for our friend? Oh, well, so when you were talking about just a potential ownership being part of the negotiation, has that been some of the largest pushback that you've received in these negotiations with organizations? Or is there, you know, obviously organizations don't want to part with too much money, so it's a back and forth. But what has been some of the biggest hurdles that you needed to clear as an agent trying to get your client the best deal? Um, <laughs> it's all about leverage. So the question is, the real breakthroughs come when you have someone approaching free agency, approaching that point. Now, in football, they preemptively sign players. So the best players never really become free agencies as they do in basketball and baseball. Um, so you're not going to see a starting quarterback at the top of his game going through free agency. He'll be preemptively signed. I think the concept of, of uh, equity and, and ownership um, is something there'd be real pushback on because uh, commanders just sold for over $6 billion. And, um, and then what would you do with that stake? If you're a retired player, you could be part of the organization. But the point is, unless there's a sale or unless you have a structure that would give you a percentage of profits, it's pretty difficult. 
Are you part of these or have you been part of any of these TV deals that go down with the NBA, the NHL, NFL, MLB? Are you there when you're hearing some of the, the big wigs at Disney or Fox talking with some of these commissioners and owners and how turbulent of, of, of a thing it is? Because right now it's one of these things that's become not even inside baseball anymore, but TV rights that everybody's looking for the TV rights. Or are they going to be moving to streaming? We just saw with Thursday Night Football on Amazon. Uh, does that still intrigue you? Is that something that still is kind of that another new age of revenue that's to be coming in where these TV deals are just unbelievable? So what you have are what's called loss leader bidding, which is it's the same concept if a drugstore in um, Chicago offered a, a, a ice cream cone for 25 cents. The whole goal is to get you in the store so you buy a number of different things. They won't make a profit on the ice cream. And it's the same way with the diversity and hundreds of competing channels. How does a network get any focus on its Monday through Friday broadcast? So back in um, uh, years ago, I gave a party at the Super Bowl. Um, on the back lot of 20th Century Fox and Rupert Murdoch came. And I said to him, Rupert, you're not, um, your Fox network is a bunch of test patterns late at night with a big Indian and uh, nobody's really watching 21 Jump Street and Beverly Hills 90210. But if you will bid on NFL football, then every Sunday you can throw the promos for your Monday through Friday broadcasting and the bottom line of your network will go up. And so you have to do a different type of economics. And that's what the NFL has done and baseball has done and brilliantly. So right now, it's not about whether or not you can get ads that will recoup your uh, uh, rights fee bid. It's about whether or not the bottom line effect is to add value to your network. And so it's an amazing time that way. Well, years ago, I realized that the whole battle between uh, agents and owners and teams wasn't really helpful. Because if you have a, a negotiation for a player and he's complaining he's only making $8 million instead of 14 that just pushes fans away. And if you have collective bargaining that features millionaires against billionaires, that just puts pushes fans away. What we got to be about is building the brand. So instead of uh, you and I having public acrimonious negotiations. Let's work together to see if we can blow out the TV contract, if we can have stadia that have ancillary revenue streams, that we can set up a NFL network or Major League Baseball. So I realized early on, if I wanted to get players well compensated, owners needed to make record-breaking profits. So it's a different way of looking at the uh, business, but uh, the point is that that so much energy spent in self-destruction. The real battle, let's say if you're the NFL, is not labor versus management. It's a battle with Major League Baseball and, and the NBA and uh, Walt Disney World and uh, Home Box Office and Netflix and every other form of discretionary entertainment spending. 
Paulie, you want to bring us home with our last question? Because I could do this all day. We still got to find out what's going on with uh, that President Obama picture behind us, speaking of Chicago, right? Paulie, uh-huh. uh, the last question, because this has been absolutely amazing. Well, before we let you go, Lee, I wanted to give you a chance to highlight your philanthropic efforts. Um, you know, I'm reading that you've worked with Children Now, Children's Miracle Network, a lot of children's charities. And I, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to kind of speak about that and if there was anything that you were working on currently. So um, one of the things I've worked on in the past is is something to push back against skinheads, racism, anti-Semitism. And it was a training program where I trained uh, young volunteers in how to help local police departments, how to uh, intervene in crisis situations, how to uh, promote ethnic uh, tolerance. And so that's something that I'm resurrecting. We have Sporting Green Alliance, which takes the sustainable technology and wind, solar, recycling, resurfacing, and water uh, to stadia, arena, and practice fields um, to drop carbon emissions and energy costs and transform them into new um, educational platforms where you can see a waterless urinal, see a solar panel. And I've discovered a new set of modalities in health and uh, wellness which can stimulate athletic performance uh, in critical situations, can uh, return a player to service quicker. And it's hyperbaric oxygen and stem cells and blue, white, and red light and nanov and cognitive treatments. And I continue to work on the concussion issue always. Lee, you're one of our favorite guests. I could already put that on there. And I could tell you the people of Chicago are going to be ecstatic to hear this and we're going to make sure that we post all over the socials all the places that they could support you they could follow you on the socials websites and whatnot because not only are you an intriguing person you're a fun conversation but you are one of these people that it's just intriguing to watch all the great work that you have done and the work that your team is doing and the story that you all tell now before we let you go for the people watching the video What's going on with former president? Uh, you know what? I assume you've met President Obama. How many presidents have you met? Um, well, I, I think I, about it. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> oh, I told you, Ronald, Ronald Reagan, I met when he was governor of California. I met the older George Bush. I sat at a Dallas Cowboy game with him. Bill Clinton, um, oh, Obama. I've met uh, President Trump when he was the owner of the New Jersey uh, uh, Blue Devils. I've met Joe Biden, um, uh, quite a few of them. You're amazing. Paulie, bring us home. It's really impressive, Lee. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We could do this for hours and hours, but we want to thank you for your time today. You've been very helpful, very informative, and just quite a career. It's uh, very, very inspirational to to see what you've been up to. Thank you, guys. Good luck. We got more coming up next here on the Sports Cubicle. He's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado.